Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. The final hour is here, Monday edition. Hope everyone's doing well. Thanks for joining us across the OutKick network for OutKick 360 with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine here at 6th and Peabody. We're going to be discussing the emergency quarterback protocol, or the lack thereof, in the NFL. Saw that on full display as the Eagles took down the San Francisco 49ers yesterday. And backup quarterbacks not needed, even for an injured Patrick Mahomes. Chad Henney could stay on the sideline because Mahomes is just fine. And uh, how he uh, performed in the Chiefs' win, setting up the game-winning field goal. Other headlines out there. Um, so Broncos owner... Um, Greg Pinner uh, met with Jim Harbaugh recently. This is after Harbaugh had has released a statement. We've seen uh, Santa Ono and his praise oh, for the Michigan head coach. Now, another Michigan man, Adam, uh, Adam Schefter, clarified what this was, which was just the Broncos circling back to make sure that Harbaugh was certain that he was going to stay in college. Not, this was not at Harbaugh's request. They flew in to meet with him. And I'll read just from Schefter. Uh, Harbaugh met last week in Ann Arbor to discuss Denver's head coaching position without any deal materializing. Although Harbaugh two weeks ago announced he was staying at Michigan, Pinner did his due diligence and still traveled to Ann Arbor to meet with the coach in person like he's done with seven other candidates during this head coaching search. The follow-up conversations were part of the process for both Denver, led by Penner and general manager George Payton, and Harbaugh. The face-to-face meeting came after Harbaugh's initial video interview with Denver, after which he pulled his name out of contention and reaffirmed his commitment to Michigan. I don't buy any of it. It's hard to, yeah. They're all lying. Well, why would you have someone fly in for a second face-to-face or a first face-to-face after you pulled your name out of the running for that job? Why would the Broncos waste the time in the energy to go meet with Jim Harbaugh. That's a ridiculous statement from, from Adam Schefter. He's covering for his university because right now it looks like Jim Harbaugh doesn't want to be at Michigan because he's saying he's going to reaffirm well, his commitment there and then he's talking to the Broncos well, again? Well, if he didn't want to be at Michigan, he can take the job offer from Denver, which, I mean, they're flying into Ann Arbor to meet with him. They're not meeting in Los Angeles like they've been doing with the other candidates. Why are they waffling? Why is he waffling? Again, well, why, why, here's, if you don't want to be there, he's got options. Well, why is he taking the meeting? It's so why odd. Why is he not taking the job with Denver? Why is he... Why? Okay, two things. Why is he releasing a statement saying, I'm here at Michigan twice, once from Santa Ono, once in his words, that he's staying, and then take the meeting after the fact? Well, twice. Because but they're uh, doing... Because the Broncos are doing other, their though, due diligence? From the team, from, from the university. I don't buy it on either end, is my point. Why would the Broncos fly in if they didn't think they had because a chance? They, well, because they're... I don't know what they're offering them, but they're clearly going to meet with them and say, are you sure? Because we're here and we want you. 
I don't I don't know of any other cop. We're not taking no for an answer. <laughs> I mean, did were teams flying to uh, to Texas to meet with Matt Rule, or was he going to them? They, he was going I, to them. Matt Rule, you're talking about for Nebraska? No, out of Baylor. Whenever he was oh. at Baylor and he took the job offers, he he wasn't. The Jets weren't flying to him. It was the other way around. This was unusual that they're going to Ann Arbor to meet with him, and he he clearly turned them down. Unless you and now if he comes back and says, you know what, I'm I am leaving. Well, the only thing unusual about it is the statements he keeps making. Just stop with the statements. If you're still entertaining well, the notion of going to the NFL now, he's going to do this every year. Is my oh, expectation. Yeah, yeah. He did it last year. He's doing it again this year. Well, but if you truly are staying right now, you're not allowing the Broncos to fl- – I mean, think about the headache this is. You told the Broncos to go ahead and fly into Ann Arbor to meet with you? No, he removed his name from consideration. And I, I think, and then they flew to Ann Arbor to meet with him? Yes, they flew in to meet with them because – here's my guess. Uh, they, D'Amico, uh, they know D'Amico Ryans is taking the Texans' job. Yeah, of course. And they don't like any of the other candidates left because Sean Payton's not going to take it. D'Amico Ryans is going to go to Houston instead of Denver. And so they're circling back with Harbaugh, who entertained their offer, but chose to stay in college, and they flew to meet with him instead of the other way around. There's something very much up with all this, I guess is my point. And maybe it's that Jim Harbaugh just hates Ward Manuel. And he's going to continue to play this game <laughs> to just screw him over. Well, because but Santa Ona would do away with Manuel. But for him. we know how diehard college football is and yes. college football fans. And for a sitting head coach, the ilk of Jim Harbaugh, to say, "Yeah, come to Ann Arbor on your private jet," no one's going to find out about that and try to woo me again to be the coach is just odd decision making for a man who just released a statement reaffirming his commitment to stay at Michigan. If they wanted to up the ante because D'Amico Ryans is taking the job, you get on the phone or get on a Zoom with them and you make your final pitch. I My point is I think Harbaugh okayed them to come in, which it's like he's playing this game again of maybe not. Maybe I will do it, Ward. What are you going to do about that, buddy? What if I have them come to Ann Arbor to meet with me? It's a very odd decision. Typically when coaches want to meet, especially but- in college – Want they, to meet with someone about a job? They do it in a neutral third-party city, which is why it's on Denver, not on Harbaugh. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They Denver tried to double back and convince him to leave again. But did Jim Harbaugh take the meeting? Did he meet with them? Yes. He does not have to meet He's, with them. Well, they flew in Ann Arbor and apparently met with them in in person. I don't know. We don't know how long. I, I just don't. And if it was such a big deal, I'm surprised that it happened last week. We're just hearing about it yesterday. Or Saturday. I just, I don't, I don't, my point is, I don't think that the Broncos are flying in and showing up the facility and banging on the door outside and saying, we're not leaving without meeting with Jim Harbaugh. I think he well, said yes to meeting with them in Ann Arbor well, for that, for that meeting to actually happen. I know it's they, the Broncos they, wanting to do it. But the only difference is when, when colleges fly out, when ADs fly out to go get their guy, they come back with their guy. And yeah. Harbaugh didn't leave with them. I know. But why, if he's meeting with them, why is he doing that after he's saying he's staying? Well, maybe he wants no another sense. race. Santa Ono, pay him. I, I, they will. It's just an odd, odd story. Again, if he was legitimately flirting with it, which I don't know that he was. I think he's making a show of it by now. They have I had... think you'd meet them, meet them somewhere else to say, okay, here's what it'll take for me to be had, to leave even after I release that statement. 
And it, there's no, I don't think there's any coincidence that Greg Penner's the one making the flight because he's the one that reportedly has a disagreement with Sean Payton and the overall power struggle that Sean Payton wants. They've had multiple guys that they want to coach the Broncos, and so far they're 0 for 3. It started with Harbaugh. Harbaugh removed his name even before Sean Payton had an interview with them. Sean Payton has a power struggle issue going on with a member of ownership. Reports are that's Penner. And D'Amico Ryans is informing them that he's not interested in the job. That's because he's going to go back to the team he played for in the Houston Texans. And he's now eligible to interview. If you, if you coached in the conference championship weekend, today's the first day that you can interview for a second time among those coaches. And D'Amico Ryans is doing that with Houston, presumably. Well, Urban Meyer's available if they want to go get a big name. It's pretty clear the Broncos are just saying, we're swinging for the fences. Well, We want the biggest name possible. We want name recognition. And none of these other candidates are worthy right now. So we're not going to do Sean Payton, not going to hire him because of all the power he wants. So we'll double back down on Jim Harbaugh. I don't know who's next on their list. Sean Payton. That would make sense. Why wouldn't you double back on Sean Payton? Well, if this guy is a big part of the ownership group, Greg Penner, and he's got some... If he's got a big enough beef with Sean Payton that he's the one holding it up because of the power structure and he's the one willing to jump on a plane and fly to Ann Arbor to go meet with Jim Harbaugh so he can go back to the ownership group and say, hey, I got Harbaugh. He's ready to go. Who's it I, remind you of? I don't know that he's going to circle back. He's an owner, back. not the AD, but it reminds you of uh, a Tennessee predicament that they were in. Well, yeah, I don't, I, don't know if, uh, I don't know if he is going to, if he's that strong about it, willing to go on a flight to go see Jim Harbaugh, that he's suddenly going to come back and say, yeah, forget what I said on Sean Payton. Let's do it. Let's give him everything. He's got full control. Can't fire him. Well, but <laughs> whatever the guy's asking for, which no, I, don't know I, what it is. I don't think it's can't fire him. I think it's Pey uh, Sean Payton wants total control over George Payton, the general manager, and decisions on the entire organization. That's the sense based on the twenty to twenty-five million dollar range per year uh, and certain control over quarterback. They they're married to Russell Wilson contractually, um, and, and also think. I mean, there, it means more for Denver to get their type of coach because the rest of the candidates are Nathaniel Hackett 2.0 from what they thought Hackett was and why they were bringing him in and how it turned out. Now, it's not going to be hard to do better than Nathaniel Hackett as a first-time head coach. That's not what I'm saying. But you're going to go get a first-time head coach. And instead, they're going after guys that have coached in a Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl, and the up-and-coming defensive coordinator, not the offensive mind from Green Bay, who didn't even call plays. This is D'Amico Ryans that they're trying to get because that's the guy that's next in line for the openings of the remainder of the league that are about to go on a long run, I think, with a news spree over the next 24 to 48 hours. A lot of teams decide on who they're going to hire. That's where Denver is compared to Indy. Arizona, who just hired their GM, so they're going through the process again. And Houston, who's battling with Denver and appears to have won it with D'Amico Ryans. Unless, yeah, unless D'Amico shocks us and takes like the Arizona job or something. Well, it's pretty clear they want, uh, they want a big name in Denver, which makes sense because they got a big name ownership group with yes. the, the Walmart family taking over. Um, if you're not willing to give Sean Payton the control, Jim Harbaugh's the obvious next choice of the biggest name you can get. And the fact he's 44 19 1 as an NFL head coach, had a great record yeah. in his time with the 49ers. All I'm saying is stop releasing statements that you're you're reaffirming your commitment to Michigan 
if you're Jim Harbaugh, if you're going to continue to take meetings uh, with, with other teams. Now, he's clearly still going to be the coach if no deal came together, but it's just – it's very odd decision-making, I think, all the way around. I Call me crazy. I thought that big statement was Jim Harbaugh does not love the options this year and he's going to wait a year. I don't think he's committed to Michigan forever, but when he made that whole to-do with him and Santa Ono about – you know, staying at Michigan, I, I I was not expecting another meeting with the Broncos to take place after that statement happened. The uh, news is out on Brock Purdy's injury. He has a complete tear of his UCL and his throwing elbow, and he's going to un- undergo surgery, which can take up to six months of rehab. He's getting second opinions, and the hope is he can go under- undergo a repair, not reconstruction, which would be Tommy John surgery, and then be ready for training camp where the battle heats up with Purdy coming off this injury against Trey Lance, who was on the deck in week two to be replaced by Jimmy Garoppolo, who leads to Brock Purdy, who leads to Josh Johnson, and then back to Brock Purdy with a complete tear of his UCL. So the uh, the idea that you just get a shot and you, you think this guy wouldn't have done that no. if he could have? Um, it, it's not the same as a high ankle sprain in this case, and he's undergoing surgery for six months of rehab. Well, and even even everyone that was seeing the injury, that was watching it, and people I follow that are you know in the medical practice on Twitter, they were saying the issue is the injury and the way the arm was hit. He can't feel anything. It's not a pain management deal. It's a stinging sensation that leads to you not being able to feel your hand that well. So. It's not a, you know, well, let's where there's a will, there's a way type thing. Or like you said, Hunt, it's not a put a shot in the elbow and you're fine. You can't feel the ball to, enough to throw it in, in that spot. So that's a really bad injury. That injury also, any team out there that may have been thinking, oh, my team can trade for Trey Lance to mm. be the quarterback yeah, because of Purdy's success, that dream is over. It, it's going to be a Purdy-Trey Lance battle. And how about going in the offseason for both Pollard the week prior against San Francisco with the broken ankle and the week after Purdy with two guys with a chance to cash in a bit um, now on the rehab and on the men. Chris Warrenson points out, though, uh, Jake DeLome had Tommy John surgery in 2007. Six months later, came back and said his arm was better than ever in terms of throwing the football. So it's not uncommon for a football player to get this. You hear it all about about it from the mound in baseball. Um, Mortensen saying it's not uncommon to hear success stories and that he could be ready for camp based on the timetable. I think everything that I've, I've heard about the injury and read about it, it's a lot easier to come back from it and be productive for many years as mm. a quarterback throwing a football as opposed to a baseball pitcher. Baseball pitchers come back from it too, but the wear and tear and the motion of throwing the baseball – that's yeah. why you see more of the injuries happen in baseball. It's harder to sustain a career after, after that surgery as opposed to football where it's not nearly as hard to sustain a career. That's good news for Brock Purdy. And instead of the wear and tear at age 23, it's the hit from Hassan Reddick, uh, which is also intriguing, the backlash that we're hearing from Shanahan, uh, about Shanahan and the play call where they have a tight end matched up against Hassan Reddick. But what people fail to, fail to realize is that's a, a – they're going play action on that play. And to, so to set up like you're going to run it, that's why you would put a tight end on the best pass rusher. Because you're going to run the opposite side. 
and then you could your tight end should be able to block for the run, and you go play action on the pass. That's what they were trying to set yeah. up, and of course it failed miserably with Hassan Reddick and practically any other uh, any other pass rusher for Philly who's had a ton of success. Uh, by the way, Hassan Reddick, Carolina had him and Christian McCaffrey, and they're not on the Carolina roster right now. And you know what else Carolina doesn't have? A quarterback, <laughs> currently. Yeah. That's not, uh, not, not a great situation be, uh, to be in. Could it be Aaron Rodgers? I, they're in the NFC. Green Bay apparently wants Carolina to trade into the AFC a, if they're going to. They're not a terrible roster. No. Outside of quarterback. I don't think so either. Um, in fact, many were saying, like, going into the offseason of the jobs that were going to open up, that they were in the best chance and best place for success given the division, given the the attention to the young talent on defense and what they've acquired in the trade for McCaffrey. We had uh, Dan Z on from OutKick last mm-hmm. week, and I, I agree with him. His answer was a good one about why would a team limit themselves? You know, what's your ultimate – why are you so worried about trading him to an NFC team as opposed to AFC team just based on the possible playoff matchup? You understand not trading him in division – yeah. where you play them twice, but I, I agree with them. You don't want to shut off half the market based on what you could get in return. So if there's an NFC team that's got a better trade package, you should definitely consider that NFC team and not just say, oh, we're only trading to an AFC team. To your point, Hutton, if the Panthers come to bat and are willing to give up more than any of the AFC teams, you trade Aaron Rodgers the Panthers. You don't worry about it. He's going to play for, what, two, three more years? If you like your plan and your roster moving forward and what you do as an organization, don't worry about it. Trade them away to an NFC team and get the most you can for your team. I love the the headlines over the weekend that were, were saying uh, the Packers and Rodgers, they were at a, a crossroad. Of course they are. Yeah. This is uh, three years in the making. Rinse, repeat. Uh, we've, we saw this uh, in January of 2021 and how it played out. We saw it lead up to last year and the contract extension and the $50 million payday per season that is upwards of 60 next year if he's on the roster against the cap, I'm saying, that they're going to have to restructure and get that down. And now potentially trading him. I just get the sense he doesn't want to be there. And he met for a day and a half with Packers management, according to reports, right after they were eliminated against Detroit. So now it's about ironing out the details. And can they get? will they do it early on in the offseason um, is this going to be one of those trades that you see a month and a half, two months prior to the NFL draft where a team goes ahead and gives up those picks in exchange for Rodgers? Or does it matter? And you do it over the draft weekend um, whenever Green Bay is going to need to make a decision one way or the other on what they're doing with them. Either yeah. way, the price tag is going to be steep. Those two sides have been at a crossroads since uh, <laughs> the drafting of Jordan Love. <laughs> That moment forward, it's been one big crossroads, one after the other, for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Coming up, uh, we'll discuss Demar Hamlin and his message. Uh, have you heard any about the from the conspiracy theorists on whether or not he's? You know, I uh, have you heard anything about body doubles with him? I read from the guy last week who kept kept insisting that yeah. there's something. You know, I, I hope there's not, but there could be something to Nick. it. Was that his Why name? Is he, yes, yes, Nick. Good memory, Hutton. And uh, Hello, I rarely do this, but when that video was released, mm-hmm. I had to go search back for a week into my mentions, and I found Nick, and I just put that video up, and I said, you convinced now? And <laughs> Any response? 
His response was actually okay. He oh, okay. was like, you know, thank God he's okay. We'll, we'll hear from Hamlin when we come back. We will also discuss a sign of the times, and Chad, it's our generation that has failed miserably in this regard. We'll have uh, photographic evidence of this. Which way? We failed so many ways. <laughs> well, uh, in, in regards to sports fandom, uh, and we're talking about New York and Philly. Oh. And we will also discuss and try, try to explain why the NFL did away with the emergency quarterback option and how teams may approach it moving forward and what the NFL needs to do based on certain protocols in place uh, in the league now that were not in the league whenever they did away with the emergency quarterback provision. That's next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix up on social at Outkick360. Planet Withrow with you. Sixth and Peabody Air location with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Damar Hamlin, Chad, in the news this weekend. We'll hit that in just a moment. Um, Want to give a quick uh, birthday shout out. Nolan from Nashville, 21st birthday. Nice. Nolan's mom has uh, Nolan out on the town just getting him hammered on his 21st birthday. I think that's really here, cool of a mom right? to bring him to Sixth and Peabody. He was here before the show, walked in. I told Nolan and his mother to try the churro beer. That's a new winter selection at with Yeehaw Beer. Uh, very good. A dessert-like beer. So happy birthday to Nolan. Big fan of the show. And uh, was in here peering through our, our glass door. And uh, we invited him in. So wanted to wish Nolan a happy 21st birthday. Oh, They weren't looking at us. They were looking at Matty Ice's new haircut. Matty Ice's new haircut is very corporate. It's very uh, corporate. Very corporate. I think it's uh, very. Uh, I think uh, it looks very like almost uh, military. Uh, Wall Street. You know, if he slicked it back a Wall little Street? more, it'd oh, be I, like Pat Riley. You, what it'd guard, be like Gordon Gecko and Wall Street. What guard did you go with on the sides, Matt? You know, I feel like you need like you need like two or three. No, like one or two guards lower, and it's it's definitely a military. You think Matt buzz. knows the guard length when he goes in, like one and a half? I, I think where Matt gets his one? haircut, oh, that's a one. Where yeah. Matt gets his haircut, my guess is they only have guard length. Yeah, that's true. That's here. We have no scissors. We're just going to cut it with different guard lengths all the way. I'm through. joking with him, but I no, mean, Matt looks yeah, good. He knows I, guard I like the uh, I like I like the hair length on Matt. Scissors or sure. guard? Oh, he went scissor cut. Mm. Okay, yeah. Barbershop. Yeah, no, Matt's not going to see a stylist. I'll tell you that. That's my bad. Yeah, there is definitely a male. Cutting his hair. <laughs> no female, no female haircuts for uh, for Matt. That's not a sexist thing. He's just very old school because he also likes. Matt, you the, look great, man. He also likes the male barber to do the straight razor shave on him when he's done. Oh yeah, very old school style. Hot um, steam towel, love it. Hutton, did you go uh, drink with your mom on your twenty first birthday? <laughs> I did not. Did uh, I did not? That was, that was um, an interesting decision. I thought. And I my I have a summer birthday. I guess technically spring birthday. May twenty, May late May, uh, yeah. So I was in Murfreesboro. That's where I was. I was in school, early summer school. I was uh, in Knoxville in school. Had to get those credits. And I was uh, I'm I'm a, a little less than a month away from my birthday. So it was the dead of winter. Oh, I know. And that's um, a big plan. Yeah, 
Every year. Chad's I, birthday is a just, celebration. Let's just say I survived. I'm still uh, here today. That's I, the good news. I see the Empire State Building. Let's get to this. The, celebrating Philadelphia's victory. What is and going headed on? headed to the Super Bowl. The Empire State Building in NYC. What have we become? Where everyone gets the trophy. And the idea that I guess, there oh, there's Philly fans everywhere, so we better celebrate. No. Can you imagine if your favorite team's town or city celebrated the rival, not just the rival, the divisional rival of your New York Giants or a, a team that you aspire to be if you're the New York Jets would be the Philadelphia. The, the rivalry between the two cities, when I saw this, I'm like, is this a Photoshop or is this real? And I know they, they throw this up in different colors all the time. But it's their tweet that added into it where they're like, congratulations, Philly, and uh, odd. And Chad, it's our generation. It's our age bracket that have the power to change the colors on the Empire State Building. And for that, I am ashamed. I, I, this is so perplexing to me that I, I... it's one of those that's so dumb, Hutton. I, I have to think, does like the owner of the... Uh, is, it, is the Empire State Building even owned by an individual? Is there a group that owns it? Are they connected to Philly in some way? It makes no damn sense. This is a division rival of the New York Giants, the Philadelphia Eagles. I know. You're celebrating their... I, I hate this part of, of where we are right now. This I'm going to sound really old and like I'm an unhappy person. And maybe I am. Maybe I'm both. Who knows? This desire to take joy in everything that everyone does and to have some responsibility for it and to find a way to be happy with whatever the result is, that's not how sports should work. You can't just decide. I'll give you an example here locally in Nashville with the Titans. Titans fans should be pissed off that the Philadelphia Eagles might win a Super Bowl after their yeah. guy, A.J. Brown, bitched and complained and got exactly what he wanted. He got the money he wanted. He got traded away. He was a great player for your team. And in year one, he's playing for the Super Bowl. You should be upset about that. You should be enraged. Don't give me this, oh, I'm happy for AJ because I loved him as a Titan. I don't buy it. I don't buy that you're happy for Brett Kern either as a former punter with the Eagles. You have to be upset about things. We can't take joy in every team's success. Stakes have to be raised, Hutton. You have to pick a side. You have to uh, pick a side, and you can't just automatically say, oh, I'm going to be okay with that. That's, yeah. what, that's what the Empire State Building is trying to teach us, well, they, that no matter who wins, we all win. I'm seeing Rob Lowe with the NFL logo hat on when I see that green lit up Empire State Building. Makes no sense. Uh, Tony Malkin is the chairman, president, and CEO of Empire State Realty Trust, and they own the Empire State Building. As well, as well as 18 other properties in New York City. So he's got no Philly ties, to our knowledge. Not that I'm aware of. It's so dumb. Well, you know that this is just we like... We can't a, all be happy all the time. Yeah. You can find, you can find constructive ways well, to cope with your sports depression, with your teams, but don't sell me this load of BS... That no matter no matter who wins, you know I'm happy for this former player or this former coach that once yes. coached. No, you're not. No, you're not. New York City native. Be honest with your own feelings about this from a sports owner. perspective. Tony Malkin, his empire. Uh, I, I just I saw this. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. In, in today's world, everyone's got to feel uh, accepted and appreciated. I guess, and this is 
you know, Eagles were going to be so distraught if the Empire State Building wasn't lit up in their colors. Well, the worst thing that could happen would be they apologize for it now. If you did it, just stick with it. Or you just changed up and say, oh, I, did we say Eagles? We meant Jets. <laughs> We're real excited about the Jets' yeah. future. We're excited that Zach Wilson's probably no longer going to be the quarterback, and we were simply celebrating. In honor the Jets. of Zach Wilson going to the Eagles as a third-string QB, in honor like- in honor of the New York Jets not making the playoffs for another season, we have lit up the Empire State Building green and white after the NFC Championship. So the emergency quarterback, we haven't seen this in twelve seasons. It was 2010, the last time it came into effect for the postseason, and Caleb Haney was the emergency quarterback. In the NFC playoffs, when Jay Cutler went out, his backup went out, and then Caleb Haney entered the game. The old rule, for those unfamiliar, um, every team could designate their third quarterback as the emergency quarterback. And if he entered the game, the other two ahead of him could not re-enter the game. It triggered this, the emergency QB clot where he didn't count on the game day roster, but he was available in case of emergency, right? It makes yeah. sense. If you went to him for a guy who sprained his ankle and you had to tape it up, but the emergency QB went in, you could not go back to the guy on the sideline who was ready to reenter the game. That was the, that was the rule. That was in 2010 as they're negotiating the new NFL collective bargaining agreement with the with the PA. In 2011, they signed this new agreement, which did away with the emergency quarterback status and. At the time, the emergency quarterback was on a roster on game day of 45 players. The new CBA added a 46th roster spot on game day from your 53-man roster. And this, in effect, was a rare win for the players because the extra spot is a game day paycheck in the regular season. And the practice squad typically... That was the emergency quarterback. Some teams carried three, not all. Chad, they did away with it. The owners did with the emergency quarterback. And teams had the extra spot. But to this day, they normally use that extra roster spot, not on the third quarterback, but on an extra safety, an extra defensive lineman, an extra offensive lineman, for further depth that you could play on special teams, that you can rotate in if you need to because you're down a guy or a guy's playing hurt at left tackle, whatever. So they still have the extra spot. They just don't have the designated spot that doesn't count on game day. I do think, though, given the fact that most of the time it's not if something happens, it's when something happens. And the fact this went down in the NFC title game and it made the, the game unwatchable for what's supposed to be one of the top games of the year. And given the fact of concussion protocol and that it affects one position a lot more than the others, for if, it, because if you get up, everyone's watching the quarterback spot. Scrutiny is on the QB. <laughs> ask Tua. Ask Teddy Bridgewater. If you get up woozy, if you stumble, you're out. And it, it's from the eye in the sky. It's from the independent neurologist that's watching over this. And it's not you're out until you pass concussion protocol to get back in. If you are flagged for that, for instability, you're out for the game. And because of this adjustment mid-season to the protocol, I think they've got to adjust the emergency QB status for that alone and not have it count against your game day roster. 
What, what was the rationale behind the change in 2011? The the owners approved this. They got the the, uh, the rare win for the players, where the players instead of the emergency quarterback, and they still had that. Um, instead of 45 players eligible to participate on game day and get the game day check, and and one step closer to an accrued season, which if you're more than three years accrued, you get pension money, and. You know, that was why we'll get to DeMar Hamlin, why it was important that the Bills said they're going to take care of his medical issues yeah. because he had not reached three seasons accrued to this point. Um, so the 46 roster, you, you get one more player that's eligible to get there. So that's a win for the players. But they did away with the emergency quarterback because teams were still given the extra roster spot. It just didn't come as a quarterback-specific emergency possibility, if that makes sense. Here's what I propose for the next CBA. Have both. Have the one well, extra spot and have an emergency quarterback, even if it's only for the playoffs, just in order to not have what we had happen yesterday happen again. Well, but also consider... The like, NFL can afford it. Well, then they need to raise the overall roster limit. If it's 53, raise it to 54, because by and large, teams aren't carrying three on a roster. And when they had the emergency status, they, I mean... A number of teams are carrying three. It was unusual if you only went with two. Practice squads have expanded. And what's unusual about this is in regards to San Francisco, I mentioned this earlier, if you look at the, the depth chart at Our Lads, that's what I'm going by, which is updated by the day. They had released um, their practice squad quarterback, Jacob Eason, on January 3rd with the idea that Jimmy Garoppolo was going to come back at some point and he would be the backup, and Josh Johnson would go back to being the third-string guy or the practice squad quarterback. They didn't have a practice squad quarterback last week based on the depth chart I saw. So it's not like even if the protocol was uh, the protocol, the, 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 the emergency quarterback status is in place, they could have designated a third quarterback. They didn't have one. They had two because Garoppolo was supposed to come back, and there was a possibility that he could be the backup to Purdy for the Super Bowl. I don't know if you saw, there was one shot on Fox during the game where Purdy was, you know, going out there and going through the motions, couldn't throw it. But it was, you saw perfectly, it encapsulated the bad luck of the 49ers because it was Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo, both with an earpiece in, both with matching hoodies and stocking caps on, Mm. standing there with Brock Purdy. And I had to pause it, and I told, told Angie, my wife, I said, those are the two starting quarterbacks. <laughs> I said, just so you understand what's going on, this guy with no elbow that's out there right now, there's, that's actually both of them right there huddled up with Brock Purdy. That's how bad this has gone for the 49ers. And Kyle Shanahan, who is an absolute wizard, he got yep. Jimmy Garoppolo to a Super Bowl. Even Kyle Shanahan could do nothing with that situation. No one could. Well, did you see some of the tweets were, please let the 49ers advance and – somehow win this game with Josh Johnson because Garoppolo could have ended up starting in the Super Bowl, potentially. That would have made for an incredible story. And and the fact that he has a clause in his deal where he's guaranteed to be a free agent, they cannot franchise tag him, and he has a chance to win a Super Bowl and play in his second for San Fran. You know the America's Game documentaries they do on every Super Bowl champion on NFL Network? What if they did that one just with every quarterback who played? 
They usually get a cross-section of coach, defensive player, offensive player. I want America's game 2022-23 49ers with only the, the quarterbacks who took a snap, including Josh Johnson talking to the camera about the entire season. Josh Johnson's like, I wasn't doing anything halfway through the year, and I got the call, and then I ended up winning a Super Bowl. That would be great television, but now we'll never see it. Coming up, we'll uh, discuss what the Texans are doing with their head coaching position. We'll discuss DeMar Hamlin as well, who released a video uh, to fans and supporters. That's all straight ahead on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. And a fast show. Outkick 360 wrapping up from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hope everyone's great across the Outkick Network. Not gonna lie, hun, I don't feel great. I think it's just that time of year. Ah, you know, everyone around me, daughter's got a stomach virus over the weekend. I thought I'm, it might I'm be fine. Be, I'm fine. You don't feel great because you have a draft tonight. Got a softball draft tonight. I just got word on the the app oh, no. here on my old ass phone that uh, snow's coming to Nashville. Snow and ice. I just don't. I'm in a weird place right now. I don't physically feel all together. And then psychologically now, this, <laughs> this time of year just has a tendency to start to wear on you, right? Oh. Okay. It's the hurry up and wait for the Super Bowl now is what it is. I feel better than Joseph Osai today. I will say that much. Oh, yeah. And how about the, the player going into the locker room ranting about it and then the players coming to his defense in the actual locker room session where they're interviewing Osai, who, by the way... uh was, I thought, stand up when it came to how he handled post-game press. Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, that's the reaction. Like, that's someone who cares a lot. Oh, yeah. And, and he, knows, that, he knows what he did. He didn't. He immediately knew that he screwed up on yeah. that and it was going to be flagged. And once it was, he was dejected. So that was a very human and, response from him, injured. which I can appreciate. Has anyone and his, checked his on teammates the, had a very human response to their teammate yeah. on it, trying to uplift him. I, I thought it was a... Terrible moment for a game to end that way, but cool to see his teammates rally around him that way. So he is having an MRI on that knee today for, just, uh, for reference because he, he mentioned that in the postgame presser too. Has anyone checked on the staff member or whoever that was that got crunched and you know their, their head hit against the bench and all that? Did you see this? Mm-mm. Like the other guy that – not the two players, not oh, Mahomes or Osai, but there's a staff member that gets just crushed. And I've been there. Like, l- luckily, I didn't have a the the heated benches behind me that this person hit. Whew. It was uh, it was pr- hardcore considering you have those side there with the, the knee issue. We'll have and to then get the magnitude of that player. We'll need to get NFL the, correspondent ma- play. Armando Salguero on the case to yeah. get, a, get a comment to see what happened. Uh, great to see Demar Hamlin and uh, the statement he put out and and on video so he can put to rest all the conspiracy theories that there was a body double here's hamlin and what he put on social media earlier this weekend well i'm so thankful to everybody i know that it isn't enough just to be thankful this is just the beginning of the impact that i wanted to have on the world and with god's guidance i will continue to do wonderful and great things i couldn't do this without any of the support and the love 
and I can't wait to continue to take y'all on this journey with me. There's Hamlin. Very cool, and I'm glad that I don't have to hear from Nick on Twitter anymore about the body double conspiracy and how ridiculous that was. The propensity for people in He's their still mind not holding a newspaper though, Chad. to like see one thing and <laughs> hold up today's New York Times. Oh wait, we don't believe in the New York Times, so never mind. It's still a conspiracy theory. Is probably what they'd come back with. Um, just ridiculous. Come on, that's him. So now we can move on from that just ludicrous conspiracy theory. Davey says uh, he sends me a text. He says it looks like artificial intelligence. It looks like like a deep fake. No one has said that to me yet. So I did. <laughs> Let's I, go ahead and I, say, I tweeted. I, I should find Nick's response because it was. I mean, it was. Very, it was very nice to someone saying. that was finally, you know, okay. I'm definitely wrong. Nick is a season ticket holder of the show, so even we though I was throwing that. in there. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was a, a very grown up. Most of the time, when you get into something with people, you know, online, very grown up, they'll just never admit. You know, once you you prove them wrong on something, they walk away and don't respond, and or they won't admit to anything. But Nick was just, and I, I can't find his response. I've got way too many people. But he said, me yeah, you're probably right now. No, he just said, I'm, I'm seeing that, I thank God. I thank the good Lord that he is okay. So that was his response, that he knows he, that's him and he's okay now. He didn't double down on it, which was good. Yeah. Um, Zach Taylor told uh, the press today in his uh, Monday press conference wrapping up the season for the Bengals, that the negotiations for extensions with Joe Burrow start now internally. And so again, just wrapped up with the team today, and as you go forward, you get a chance to start talking about Joe and all the other players who are up. Joe's not up, by the way. Uh, He's just eligible for the extension. And the Bengals know they need to... This doesn't need to be a process like we've seen with Lamar Jackson or like we saw with Dak Prescott. Because... Cincy and the ownership and the liquidity that we've pointed to uh, with Bashotti, with Haslam, with Jerry Jones, it's different than what we've seen from the the Bengals in the past. Did you hear, um, I think it was Jim Nance during the broadcast yesterday, they'll point out, which was clearly to me something from Cincinnati management mm-hmm. that said, keep in mind, this is an organization that at one point made Carson Palmer the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, they're prepared and that he's going to make $50 million a year. Joe Burrow, they believe. But I thought that was just an interesting well, tidbit that he brought that up because I, I looked into it and thought, that's coming from someone well, in Cincinnati. They can make him the quote-unquote highest-paid quarterback annually, but the, the benefit of previous contracts prior to uh, what we've seen from Deshaun Watson is – it leans heavily in the ownership and team club favor where you can back out of said agreement and get help on the salary cap on the back end and set up to what, well, you know, A.J. Brown's contract. What is it, a five-year deal that's really a two-year contract? Right. So you can make it, adjust it however you see fit with the guaranteed money up front. But the key here is it's not fully guaranteed. And there's only a handful of quarterbacks right now that have the opportunity to do what Watson did. Lamar Jackson's in that discussion with how he's handled this. Burrow, Herbert. Uh, and how do you feel if you're Kellen Moore today? You go from Dak Prescott to Justin Herbert. You get to call plays for Justin Herbert and yeah. the Chargers instead of Dallas, where, I mean, you have a lame duck coaching staff there right now. Let's face it. 
I mean, I know I know Mike I, McCarthy it, did well in the in the regular season, but with Prescott and McCarthy paired up, it doesn't seem like they're going to get over that hump anytime soon. Um, and Dallas has been saying that for decades now. Meanwhile, Kellen Moore, he's headed to Los Angeles where the Chargers um, need help to stop the run, but otherwise have a very talented roster and one of the top young quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, it's... Uh, On a rookie contract. It strikes me as McCarthy and Kellen Moore did not see eye to eye on much of anything. And that this is an upgrade, you could argue, for Kellen Moore I, to go work with Herbert now, but... I think this is Jerry think, Jones. Yeah, I also think both sides were probably blaming the other. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Yes, yes. Our offensive-minded head coach has too much control and say over what's going on. Mike McCarthy, this young guy calling plays isn't doing a good enough job, and who is Jerry Jones going to side with? His head coach that he pays more, and he says, yeah, <laughs> let me get Sean on line three and figure it and think, I'm going to find out what he thinks about both of you. But he probably said, okay, offense doesn't work. You figure it out. You're an offensive head coach, and now he's the I, offensive coordinator. I think it is a massive, a massive decision by Dan Quinn to come back because, Chad, he's turned down now – Two consecutive seasons of head coaching opportunities. Dan Quinn's been mentioned both off seasons. He could be in the in line to get that job. And I don't know if McCarthy's back, honestly, if Dan Quinn gets a head coaching job this because he's replacing both coordinators. Why wouldn't you clean house at that point? I, just trade for Sean Payton and then let Dan Quinn continue to be the defensive coordinator. That would be the ideal scenario. Well, after next year, you don't have to trade for him. It's for contract Payton? zone. Yeah. No, it's through 2024. You're right. There's still another year left. Maybe Dan Quinn will stick around. Maybe they'll only take a third round pick, though. Maybe Dan Quinn will see four different Cowboys head coaches in his team (laughs) and wait wait around. Back at it tomorrow, 3 o'clock Eastern across the Outkick Network for Outkick 360.